First Thessalonians in chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God, which he heard of us, he received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and had persecuted us, and they pleased not God, and are contrary to all men forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for this passage this afternoon. Pray you minister to our hearts, Lord, that we may profit by it and be much blessed of those things in Christ Jesus, our true glory and joy in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage uh, this afternoon, we'd like to look at it along these several lines that I have here on the chalkboard this afternoon. Uh, under the title of the believer's hope, and uh, we may add also that um, it is the hope that we have in Christ that gives us our joy and our rejoicing in the Lord, even as we serve the Lord. The Word of God effectually works in them who believe. I was listening to a program just briefly this morning and one of the uh, pastors that was speaking made a, a, a similar comment and it was this, that apart from the revelation of Jesus Christ, we would not know of the true blessings of God that we have. Uh, in other words, it is because we have the Word of God itself that we are blessed of God for this uh, wisdom which comes from God is not of man but truly is of God and so is uh, given to us by faith and so the the word of God works effectually with uh, or in in and through you and in and through my own heart as well. And so it is important that we understand how much of a blessing 
the word of God is. Secondly, those who believe the word of God are persecuted. And, of course, Paul mentions that here in relationship even to himself, that uh, he, as well as others, were persecuted. He says in verse 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men. Well, of course, he's uh, directly relating to the Jews, necessarily, because it was the Jews who rejected the coming of the Messiah, and they ultimately uh, did crucify the Lord. Uh, But moreover, also, we find that they persecuted the prophets. Um, It was no uh, glorious thing to be a prophet, that is, um, humanly speaking. Uh, It was... a prophet was blessed of God, it is true, and, and received the revelation of God. Uh, but um, whenever we read about the prophets in the Old Testament, or even John the Baptist, the very, the very last of the prophets at the coming of Christ, we do not find that they had a very welcome, good, a very warm welcome at all. Um, but even John himself was beheaded in prison. Uh, so we realize the prophets were greatly persecuted who brought the revelation of God to man. Thirdly, God's wrath falls upon those who believe not. And uh, even though this wrath, which God, of course, uh, will levy upon those who do not believe, uh, is one which is waiting That is, God will have his day of judgment upon those who do not believe. Because, and it is righteous judgment. It's not vindictive judgment. It's righteous judgment. Because they have rejected the one true and only Son of God. Um, And uh, then, number four, the believer's hope, joy, and crown of rejoicing. Paul, of course, was saying this more about himself. In verse 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye or you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. Well, see, that's kind of the, the ultimate end of the ministry for the Apostle Paul was to know that at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, those he administered to, those who had come to faith in Christ would receive of the blessing of God and it would be his glory and his crown and his rejoicing to know that as he served he served with great desire to see many come to faith in Christ as I'm sure that you do as well whenever you are serving it is your glory and your joy and your desire to see people come to faith in Christ and receive of the blessing that only God can give. Uh, So let us look at these uh, verses here, beginning with verse 13. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now see, here is the kind of um, 
the hope of every person who is a servant of God, whether pastor or Sunday school teacher or Bible student uh, or Bible teacher, uh, anyone who happens to be involved in teaching or ministering the Word of God, perhaps you yourself in trying to disciple other people or in your witness for the Lord and you trying to reach people for Christ, uh, it should, this should reflect truly your greatest desire is that they might receive the Word of God which you give them, which you do give them, uh, and receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, here it is, uh, our efforts to, to serve, our efforts to minister the word of God, to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to take the good news to the lost, and to... Uh, evangelize or to reach other people with this great message of Christ and of salvation we desire that they would receive it as it is in truth the word of God uh, which means that we have to deliver it in truth as the word of God and it goes also to the fact that we must believe that it is the word of God and know with great confidence of heart that uh, God is going to use it according to his will to those who believe, that it will be effectual to those who believe. Effectual. We want it to be effective to those who believe. As, uh, as God is able to, to work in the heart and life of an individual, we desire that God would do that great work. And uh, so looking on in verse 14 here, it says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Well, the, of course, as the churches in Judea, uh, we remember the ministry of Christ and of his um, going out into the various quarters of, of uh, uh, Israel that he might preach Christ, that he might tell them about the good news that the Messiah had come. And of course, uh, at that particular time when he was telling them, uh, many of the disciples would hear the message of Christ and of redemption of the coming kingdom, as it were, in form of a parable. And uh, he even told his own disciples that he gave those parables um, that the message might be in some sense hidden from those who would not believe, but would be revealed to those who would believe. And, of course, uh, the Lord often went on to give uh, explanation of the parables to his own disciples. And, um, and so Paul uh, tells uh, these in Thessalonica, he says, that you became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. Suppose one of the things we look for as believers is that we look for other churches of like faith in Christ, do we not? 
In fact, if you're on vacation somewhere, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to be able to go to a church where you knew that the gospel would be preached, the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe? You see, you would, you would desire that. And so it is that we would desire that the churches that are established are those churches which are in Christ Jesus. And, um, and Paul, uh, no doubt, uh, went out with that very thing in mind that he might establish the churches uh, throughout the Mediterranean uh, in Christ Jesus, just as the churches in Judea were established in the like manner. Um, and uh, he says, uh, For ye also have suffered in like things of your own countrymen. Um, well, the, uh, the people around about the Thessalon- Thessalonian church um, probably were not any more receptive than the Jews who opposed the preaching of Christ in Judea. I mean, persecution is similar wherever it happens. If it happens in in the Ukraine, if it happens in Russia, if it happens in South America, if it's in Africa, or wherever you might be, if someone is opposed to the gospel, then persecution arises. And it takes no particular flavor except that it is against the things of Christ against the truth of the Word of God, and and the the believers there at Thessalonica receive similar persecution or resentment given toward them, even as those of the true churches of Judea did. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which are which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. The Gentiles uh, in the area had uh, withstood much of the message of Christ, even as they have of the Jews, he says here, uh, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they pleased not God and are contrary to all men. Those who believe the word of God uh, and uh, go out and preach the word of God are often persecuted. Uh, So we find that uh, the Jewish people rose up and decided that Jesus was a problem to their religion. Uh, mainly, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those of the, of the religious order of the day, were spearheading, if you will, this rejection of the Lord. You might want to ask, who today is uh, against the preaching of Christ in your area? Or as you think about the Church of Christ today, Who is standing against the Church of Christ? Well, you might find some opposition, of course, among uh, your peers. They may say, well, I don't have have any particular 
bent toward religion, you know, I, I, my religion is out in the woods or something, they might say, uh, or they, they might say, well, I don't have time to go to church. Or, you know, there might be various reasons or excuses that your peer group would give uh, in relationship to going to church if you try to talk to them. But who really stands against the church today? Um, you would probably find that it happens in the same quarter as it did in Jesus' day. In other words, it would be the educated and the elite who would stand against the gospel. Uh, generally speaking, you will not find um, the educated, the very highly educated and elite, very favorable toward preaching Christ. Uh, the colleges and the universities and the various centers of learning today are not very tolerable toward Christianity. Well, who, who are those who are normally conservatively Christian and, and a pro-life, for instance, will take that particular argument, the pro-life argument? Well, it's usually Christians who stand and are pro-life. But you, you'll find that the more educated and, and elite and uh, uh, rebellious of thinking or, or, or those who uh, are more open-minded in their thinking would probably reject pro-life. Uh, they would say, well, it's, it's, that's not really a, a, a human being until it is born. And then, even then, uh, they may say, well, uh, the woman has the right to do whatever she wants to do with, with her body. That's, of course, a big argument today, isn't it? Uh, my body, I could choose to do with it what, what I want to do. And so they, uh, they, meaning those who are highly educated and elite, have decided, and it's usually in the higher ranks of people, to decide for the lower class of people what they should and should not believe. In fact, the mainstream media is doing the same thing to you today, uh, whether you, I'm sure you're aware of it. I mean, you can turn to Channel 6 uh, mainstream media or Channel 8, and you'll find exactly the same programming on both. There's not hardly an iota of difference between the two. Um, and it, it, it irritates me to death, you know, they, they'll have some segment on something on Channel 6, and you say, oh, I don't want to listen to this, you turn to 8, and there it is right there, too. I mean, it's kind of like they, they're supposed to be separate news media outlets doing separate things with, and supposedly giving news, and they, it's the very same thing on both. And you, you sit there and say, what did they do? <laughs> You're just wondering, you know, why they, well, what are they doing? They're manipulating the society. They're, they're, they're programming those who listen. This is what you're going to listen to today. This is not an objective thing for us. This is subjective. We are giving you what we want you to hear. And that's what they do. And um, this, is, this is not a big mystery, folks, that... Um, there are those people who, so the, the ones at the top dictate to the ones under them. And of course that was what happened in Jesus' day. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and 
the Herodians and uh, all of those that were in the religious order of the day were dictating to those underneath of them what they were to believe, what they were to do. And of course Jesus was constantly in conflict with these groups of people, uh, telling them that um, what they were doing was uh, the blind leading the blind. They were supposed to be wise, telling others about the way to God and to salvation. But they themselves were blind and they were leading others who did not know and they were both falling into the ditch. Um, I think the ditch of humanity is getting much wider. Uh, there's, a lot of, well, there's a lot of people falling in to this great huge trench that is gaping widely open and is very liberal and is very progressive and it's very globalistic and you will notice that where there used to be some sense of Christianity present on the television it is practically erased from television now Christianity is um, you used to be able to see a Billy Graham crusade once in a while right you never you, there is no of course Billy Graham has died obviously but is there anybody else doing evangelistic work? Is there anybody else doing crusades around the world? Is it ever put on the, uh, the public media for others to see? No. No. Uh, Franklin Graham, of course, uh, goes through Samaritan's Purse. You know, that seems to be his area of ministry. And he does a quite a bit of that. And once in a while, some of that gets out. And um, I find that on Newsmax... Uh, there are two or three evangelists that will program through the Newsmax media. Um, and they even interview them, but um, as far as the mainstream media, there's nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. And the elite are dictating to other people what they are to think and what they are to believe. Um, and we, sh we should be much aware of that. Uh, we, should, we should be aware of it. Who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men. And so we find that those who opposed the gospel in Paul's day were those that he could point back to and say, well, they killed the Lord Jesus Christ, they killed the prophets, they, and they, they want to persecute us and they are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak, verse 16, to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Well, it's no secret, of course, that the Jews thought they were the exclusive uh, group on the block, so to speak. They were exclusive. In fact, the Gentiles were dogs, and uh, there was, they, you were to have nothing to do with them. And of course, uh, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds, and so nobody wanted anything to do with the Samaritans. And if you happened to be an Idumean, uh, then you was even further out on the limb somewhere. But we find that uh, um, these groups of people 
these groups of people, of course, thought themselves to be religiously elite. Elite. And um, they would forbid, they would forbid, well, we remember that uh, they did throw uh, certain of the apostles into jail and told them, don't go out and preach, and if you do, um, you know, you're going to be in big trouble with us. And even though um, they escaped by miraculous means, a couple of them, we find that they were warned again, and still, um, uh, of course, uh, the apostles went out and did preach Christ. Uh, and they continued to do so. Uh, in other words, we should listen to the counsel of God rather than the counsel of man, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And so we find that uh, they continued to fill up their sins, these who did not believe, these who thought themselves religiously above the Christians who had, were followers of Christ, and they forbade um, others to preach Christ if, if they possibly could. Um, and uh, they, of course, were uh, not in God's favor. In verse 17, God's wrath falls upon those who believe not. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Well, the last part of verse 16 mentions the wrath aspect. It says, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Um, and uh, we, we realize that this is, um, uh, this is an area where God is going to judge the, the hearts of those who reject him. Um, what kind of wrath did God bring against uh, the Jews in the first century? Well, we might say that around 70 AD, certainly there was a great destruction of Jerusalem, and the temple was destroyed, even as Jesus said that that would happen. Uh, but we know that that is not the end of the story, of course. Uh, the Jews became scattered abroad throughout the whole earth, and uh, even today... Uh, they are only returning to the promised land, to Israel, to Jerusalem, uh, in great numbers because we believe that it is a sign of the Lord's coming again. Now, we know that many of these things that take place in God's prophetic timetable don't happen overnight. It takes... Uh, many years sometimes for God to reveal fully um, some aspect of prophecy which he is fulfilling. Uh, so uh, is that wrath still very active against those who have rejected Christ in, um, in the land of Israel? As far as the Jews are concerned, we'd have to say it is. And not only, not just Israel, but we do know that all who reject Christ the wrath of God is going to, at some point, uh, be revealed to them in the manner in which God would fulfill it, according to his word. For the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, 
not in heart, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. And so the apostle, of course, uh, did want to get back to Thessalonica. Um, he did want to see them. He wanted to have fellowship with the believers and the Thessalonian believers. And as you and I often come together for fellowship, and even when we are separated from other believers, we want to come and uh, join in once again to have some fellowship together in Christ. Uh, this is, uh, of course, a natural thing for us to do and to want to do. Um, and, and it's somewhat deficient, I believe, if believers don't want to get together. Uh, it is um, it is telling a, a little bit upon the hearts of those who are somehow too isolated. Uh, we need to have fellowship one with another. Uh, and uh, so I pray that you see the importance of fellowship. It is, it is necessary. And it is something that the Apostle Paul, of course, desired because he had great hope uh, for those churches that he was establishing and uh, ministering to. And he desired for them to also uh, have fellowship with, with him. And so he desired to see them face to face. And he endeavored the more abundantly to, um, to accomplish that, if at all possible. In verse 18, it says, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. Well, we find that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, of course. And uh, um, we should be very thankful that he doesn't visit us too personally, like he has some. But nonetheless, Satan is still very active. And um, he is the god of this world, small g-o-d. And he does blind the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. That's in Second Corinthians, it speaks of that. And we do know that he does hinder those who are involved in ministering the word of God. Uh, else we would not find it so important to pray for them, whether it be some missionary on the foreign field, or whether it be your pastor who needs prayer that he might be able to keep his focus upon the true word of God while he is preaching and have the liberty of the spirit of God to be able to bring forth the truths of the scriptures and to, with great confidence and assurance, be able to bring the word of God effectually to the hearts of those he is ministering to. A prayer is necessary, and Satan would hinder that great work. And uh, just how he goes about doing that, of course, uh, was, was in, is within the realm of um, principalities and powers and spirits, or demons, if you will, uh, that work in dark areas, we may say. And we know that God desires... God desires that we have free course to work, and so prayer is necessary. And uh, the Apostle Paul knew that Satan was hindering, hindering him, and we find that uh, that hindering is, is very real. In verse 19, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? 
Now, the coming of the Lord is, is um, I believe this might actually be the first mention of the word coming of the Lord in the New Testament. Um, the word coming, that is, being used. Uh, you'd have to check, do some research to find out where this word coming is used in reference to Christ, but I think this might even be the first reference to it. The coming, at the coming of the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Uh, so, um, and of course we often talk about the coming of the Lord, don't we? We often, we often speak about it. Uh, in, in reference to Jesus coming again, that is, coming to earth, uh, that he might bring us uh, through the rapture of the church unto himself. Um, and, of course, uh, even though we view that slightly different in the dispensational view than some covenant theologian might, uh, nonetheless, the coming is the coming. Uh, whether you look at it a little bit different than somebody else does or not, um, if there is a coming, there is going to be a coming. And, and the Bible does talk about a coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that coming will happen. Jesus will come again and receive us unto himself, that where he is we may be also, as the scripture says. And uh, at that time, Paul says, you are my joy and my, my rejoicing. Um, even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. He says, uh, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Well, we, we love to see those who are in, in the faith. And uh, when you go to heaven to be with the Lord uh, at his coming and you see others who have come to faith in Christ, I'm sure that will be a great joy and rejoicing to you when you experience that. Now, we, are, we perhaps all know someone who has already gone home to be with the Lord. We even talk about it that way, don't we? Uh, and, and we don't really talk about it in a sad sense, only in the sense that we grieve for they are no, no longer with us. That is normal. It is sensible to grieve when you lose someone. But when you think about that they have gone home to be with the Lord Jesus, you are not sad about that, I know. You, you were just saying, well, they made it there before I did, um, and now they are rejoicing in the Lord. Um, and we, we can say that about different people that we, we, uh, we know. Um, and, okay, so you have an, take, take an evangelist, for instance. I'm sure Ed Seeley, uh, who goes out and does evangelism, and, and uh, that's his, the thrust of his whole ministry is to win souls to Christ. Um, this, this kind of a, of a verse right here has a great deal of meaning to him. The Apostle Paul was uh, an evangelist, uh, winning people to Christ. We call him an apostle, we call him a missionary, talk about his missionary journeys, but he was an evangelist, he was out there preaching Christ. We talk about Philip, the evangelist, and he was winning people to Christ. The early apostles were winning people to Christ. That's what they were doing, and ministering to others. You may have had the privilege of leading someone to Christ, and... If you did, 
then I'm sure when you think about that person, you probably would also say that you, he or she, that person, is your hope or joy or crown of rejoicing in relationship of coming to Christ. But because he puts it uh, in kind of the fullness of that degree and goes on to say, I not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. At his coming. So he puts it in that context. Uh, when the Lord comes again with ten thousands of his saints. Uh, we, now these the wonderful biblical truths we talk about, they are part of the Word of God and they are the effectual working of the Word of God in our own hearts. And uh, we uh, uh, greatly rejoice in those things. For you or ye are our glory and joy. Our glory and joy. Now that that is uh, an important statement that when we, we stop and think about it. To have that glory and joy in the Lord because of his great ministry to the to other people. Now Paul wasn't uh, he wasn't taking all the credit on himself. He was just a part of the planting the seed and watering and bringing forth the increase. And as the sower went forth to sow and sow the seed of the word of God. And it fell upon good soil and brought forth fruit unto salvation. How great that rejoicing and glory is in the Lord. And I think that's what we have to keep in view. Is that our labors are not in vain in the Lord. And so we take great hope in these things. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for this afternoon. Thank you, Lord, for your word, that it is the effectual working of the word of God that blesses us. And it is also a great joy and hope and a rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming even at this very time when we are ministers of his, servants of the Lord, we pray, Father, for your grace and mercies unto all that we are able to minister to and that you would privilege us to serve, that we may do it with gladness, knowing that the Lord is coming again to receive us unto himself. And so we give praise and thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen.